Honestly, you are. Sometimes I think it'd be better if I just trained a chimpanzee to set up your microphone for you. <laughs> it'd be more reliable. Well, uh, welcome everyone to Mid Faith Crisis episode 16. And uh, my name is Nick Page, and uh, I'm joined once again by Joe Davis. How are you doing, Joe? Hello. I'm doing very well indeed. Thank you. Yeah, Good. great. Yeah. Great. So uh, this week we've got another interview. Um, yeah. yeah, with uh, um, who are we interviewing, Dave? Uh, Joe, tell me. Well, we're da- it's funny you should nearly call me Dave because <laughs> <laughs> we are interviewing uh, Dave Tomlinson. He's mm. just got a book out at the moment called uh, Black Sheep and Prodigals. And, uh, and in fact, I think that... Um, we should now set a, a precedent by which you know everybody we interview on this podcast is called Dave. Yes, indeed. I don't care how you know what how famous they are, what their yes, real name exactly. is, but they, well, they could, we we will just call them Dave. Yeah, for they the could duration change the name. of the podcast. Well, you see, I, I have been trying to get Dave Bell on the podcast. <laughs> Dave Bell, as in the sort of humour, <laughs> yeah. Dave Bell. Exactly. Yeah, how's that going? Do you know what? It's quite funny actually. I uh, I I spoke. I sent him an email like you do. Yeah, uh, and uh, but it doesn't go to him; it goes to his team, and then his team pass it on to the UK team. And so, oh, he's so got the, a UK team. Uh, yeah, he's got a UK. So the lady there mm. said, "Tell me, what is the reach of your podcast?" Well, I don't. Know. I can reach that shelf over there. That's, <laughs> exactly. I, I reckon it's about what three. I should three say foot? it's. I, I would have thought at least three foot, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. four foot in my case. Cause... Well, yeah, because you're slightly anthropoidal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to say, well, we're literally up in the tens now. She didn't seem that impressed, but to oh. pacify me, I got a preview copy of his book. Oh, uh, that's all right. So that's okay. nice. So, so we'll review yeah, the we review the book. Can... I don't say, she said, she did say, and this hurt a little bit, oh, well, he's doing the Nomad podcast. I have no idea what that is. Well, it's it's a proper Christian podcast. It's professional with correct sound. I do know sa- what it is. Correct I sound. Know, I'm just saying that. Correct now. sound levels and everything, and, uh, <laughs> ah, and, and, and ah. like a professionalism and seriousness and gravitas. That's the point. Now you've brought that up, um, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. What we have to say about the interview with Dave Tomlinson is that oh, I don't know what you recorded again. it on, but it sounded like. <laughs> Sounds like you did it on a gramophone or something. I mean, I've had to do so much editing work on it. No, stop uh, To be fair to you... You are it, a lovely it, man, and you did it very wasn't, well. It was um, Skype. Yes, it was. more than anything else, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so Skype's reliability and your ineptitude... <laughs> yeah, perfect that's, storm. that's not it. It was, exactly. <laughs> so, but anyway... Uh, but it, but hopefully it, it'll be sort of vague, yeah. vaguely listenable. It's very yeah. good stuff. So yeah, he's very a lovely interesting man. Stuff. He's a lovely uh, man. And anyway, I'm cheerful. I, I, you know. Yes. No. Why? Get, why are you? Why are you so cheerful? Ah, oh, I'm so happy. Uh, so some of you will uh, know that part of my work is with um, an organisation called Open Doors, which supports persecuted Christians. And um, a while back, I did. I spent some time making a video. Um, with uh, telling the stories of three uh, fathers of the Chibok girls, if you remember the uh, girls in northern Nigeria who were um, kidnapped. Between sort of 250 and 300 girls were, were kidnapped by an extremist organisation called Boko Haram. And, um, 
and I did this this video looking at their stories, and one of them was just this lovely man called Peter, who had a daughter called Grace, and it, and he recounts in the film how his children would say to his other children would say to him, "Where is Grace? Where is Grace? Where is Grace gone?" And, and and he he kept saying to them, "She'll come. She'll come back. She will come back. I promise you, she'll come back." Mm. He said he kept saying, wow. "Grace will come," uh. and um, and there's just been a. Uh, 82, I'm going to cry actually, this has been 82 of the girls uh, released and um, and Grace is among them. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I just, I, I, you know, as a father of girls myself, that story has really uh, cut me up and lived with me and to work closely on that thing and then to, you know, Grace will come and she has come and yeah. people have been praying and I know we yeah. have debates on here about yeah, yeah. what it does and carry on with that but at the end of the day yeah this man has his daughter back or will have his daughter back and how wonderful that is so i'm thrilled i'm really yeah. excited tonight that is really Which wonderful is into that now, story yeah do you want to take a moment no i'm i'm fine i'm fine i just i'd like to take this opportunity to thank my agent and my family <laughs> for this award oh i feel all actually it's brilliant it's just such a great yeah. thing such it's a good beautiful thing. it is wonderful yeah um Okay, so, on with the show. Good. Well, yes, shall we go on with the show? Why are you pointing at a bit of paper? Well, because I was right. Oh, hoping... I know, yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Professionalism, it's, it's a word in the dictionary to us. <laughs> we don't even, um, so, why don't we do some feedback? <laughs> That's Joe? an excellent idea. Have we why got don't some we? Feedback? Let's go not forget on. about doing the feedback. No. Let's actually do some. <laughs> okay, mm. so... Okay, so we have had uh, a number of emails in from people who have uh, listened to the podcast as a result of your marvellous article in Christianity magazine. Thank you very uh, much. Yes, it's brilliant. And we should put a link to it on our website, of course. So uh, yeah. not that anyone who listens to this needs to read the article. because uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, but here we are. So we've had lots of nice things. Uh, we had one from Brian who says, uh, blah, 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 currently involved in both an evangelical Baptist church and a liberal C of E. Naturally, both have their pros and cons. And then he says, and this is what disturbed me. Uh, so Brian says, I would hesitate to show anyone in the Baptist church your Christianity article or re recommend the podcast. I mean, come on, show some. Ba I'm a Baptist minister for goodness' you, sake. I, I was I was brought up in a Baptist church. <laughs> I know. Well, I suppose there are various types of Baptist churches, and maybe. It, I do, it, having it said that, I think it probably is wise never to show anything I write to anybody really oh. let alone let alone anyone yeah. in church leadership okay and uh, another one here i found your faith affirming podcast after reading nick's article in christianity magazine uh, as a lifelong christian an active church member now age 50 i've spent the last 10 or more years asking is this it there must be more i'm feeling out of step with the endless noise meetings busyness and pointlessness there's so much that happens in church i'm a member of an inclusive healthy church but it isn't enough uh, on your recommendation, I started reading Falling Upwards, blah, blah, blah. Huge thanks to your podcast. And then she says this, I feel I have found friends on the faith journey. And that's from Sarah. And I just wanted to, I was so encouraged with that one. Not because, you know, we just want to blow our own trumpet or anything, but because of that last line, I feel I found friends on this faith journey. And um, and interestingly, a number of people sort of wrote in saying, is there a group near us, a mid-faith crisis group, where we can meet to discuss these things? Um to which I've tried to reply to, no, there isn't. We're just a couple of bald blokes trying to, 
<laughs> doing stuff that we find helpful. But yeah, but start a group and start. If we a... had anything entrepreneurial yeah. about us, we would do that. I well, know. I think you get together with friends, don't you? And you yeah. talk about stuff and, uh, um, or, you know, reach yeah. out to like-minded people yeah. maybe and just just that's um, right. And start I... one up. And yeah. hello to Jan, who says, uh, Christianity Magazine, blah, blah, blah. it perfectly describes where I am at the moment and naturally thought I was the only one. So that's it, isn't it? I mean, there's the affirmation to meet with yes. others. Um, yes. Well, I, I hope this is a kind of community for people. Uh, you know, yeah. um, we started it basically because we didn't have any friends. So, you know, that <laughs> was... Still don't. But I think, yeah, I think it's I, what's one of the great things, isn't it, about this, uh, being honest and being able to be open is you do find that you're not alone. You know, there are the yeah, people who right. think just like you, which I think is a is a good link into uh, into the book, really, and the interview uh, yeah. with with Dave. But he, do you know, I have to say, Dave, Dave was a lovely, gracious man. And I got him on a sort of lazy Sunday afternoon, you know, that kind of period after lunch when you should be sleeping. But God bless him. He said he'd come and do. Oh. Uh, a podcast with us which is yeah. which is really kind of him so uh, let's listen to this interview um yeah. and uh, then we'll pick up afterwards well i'm delighted to say that i am joined uh, right now by uh, by dave tomlinson dave welcome to the mid-faith crisis podcast thank you yeah but dave it is so great to have you here. i feel like you are a friend even though I've never met you. In fact, last week when I was talking about your book, I say this was a book written by my dear friend, Dave Tomlinson. And I realised not only have I never met you, I've never spoken to you <laughs> until this moment, but you feel like a friend, Dave. And I think, the, I think the reason is because your books have brought me so much joy and, and you've kind of given me permission to think and validate some of the things that I've been thinking and feeling so I'm so grateful to you uh, for the books and and, and so grateful uh, that you're on the podcast Nick who I do this podcast with is quite threatened by you <laughs> threatened by me yeah so that's why he, he's not here at the moment he, he's terribly intimidated by by I don't know whether it's all other authors or just authors that are a bit more successful than him but he struggles with that. So anyway, it's great to have you. It is so wonderful to have you on the show. But um, as soon as I, uh, well, really from your earlier books, um, uh, I, I thought you have got to come on on the podcast. Um, I loved How to Be a Bad Christian and the Bad Christian's Manifesto. And now um, your latest book, Black Sheep and Prodigals. How did you come to to write these books, Dave? Well, I suppose for the last, uh, I don't know, 25 years, really, the main focus of my work and my ministry has been people who are on the edges of the church and the edges of faith who are struggling to, you know, they find their faith is unraveling and they don't know how to put it back together again. And I think these are the people who I have written for and spoken to in lots of ways. The interesting thing is then becoming a parish priest and working here in, in this parish in North London and being thrown into all kinds of wonderful connections with people who probably never come to church by taking a funeral or, or marrying them or, or christening their babies or whatever. Um, suddenly I am in contact with a whole lot of people who are that next sort of layer out, if you like, people who never really come near church. And I think that you know, I realised that um, there are hordes of people out there who uh, are completely 
cut off from the institutional church, uh, but who do have a level of spirituality, who are on their own faith journeys. And I wanted really to connect with those people. And, uh, and How to Be a Bad Christian, I mean, that came about by being inspired by a marvellous book called How to Be a Bad Birdwatcher. <laughs> yeah, I've read that, yeah. Yeah, by Simon Barnes. And it's a brilliant book, and I've yeah. always been into birds. Yeah. And uh, so the title obviously drew me in. And I quickly realised this wasn't like any book about birds I'd read before, you know, that, that this was a kind of tract for bird watching. Yeah. And so he says, you know, you, you look out of a window, you see a bird, you enjoy, congratulations, you're a bad bird watcher. <laughs> and uh, he's really taking bird yeah. watching as an activity out of the hands of, people, you know, geeks and Twitches. twitchers and people yeah. with expensive equipment. Yeah, and saying... Birds are part of everybody's life. Well, when I read this, I thought, oh, my God, I've got to write a book. This is what I think about God, about faith, yeah. that I think it's a bad thing to leave, uh, you know, God in the hands of the spiritual twitchers, if you like, you know, people yeah. who who are sort of the regular churchgoers and all the rest of it. Um, when actually there's just myriads of people out there who are, as it were, looking out the window, seeing and enjoying uh, but they then they're not part of the God Club. Yeah, yeah. I suppose really my focus in writing is very much on the people who are either just on the inside, hanging on by their fingernails, uh, or people who are outside and wouldn't even dream of coming near a church, yeah. but uh, who I think are on spiritual journeys in yeah, their own ways. Absolutely. Well, I realise that I'm sort of 25 years behind you, basically, in the journey, because we, we <laughs> provided this little space. Well, I like to think of it as our own sect called Soul Place that we meet in my house on a Thursday night. And of mm. course, nothing new under the sun is there, Dave. You were doing Holy Joes back in the 90s. Uh, but I think from what I gather from reading, you, you know, the principles say we just wanted to provide a safe place because so many people were saying this stuff that we learned at Sunday school, that we grew up with and you know maybe they were worship leaders or youth workers they were quite involved they were in, you know in their churches they're just going i don't know what i believe anymore it doesn't make sense it doesn't seem to work anymore and then i think i mean just mm. to pick up from one story we come on to the new book but from uh, that really touched me and i think it was in the bad christians manifesto those two books have merged into one for me but the um you told a story about Muslims helping Christians and Christians helping Muslims. And I hear mm. a lot of the time, uh, especially, you know, during the rounds of, you know, on Facebook, you know, Muslims do not worship the same God as us, you know. And everything. How, how do you respond to that kind of question, Dave, when, when people come at you with that? Because you're you're reframing Christianity in an exciting way for me. I think my first question is, well, how do you know? You know, people make such emphatic statements as if they've got some kind of hotline mm. to to God or the universe or whatever, and they can say emphatically, we are not worshipping the same God. Well, how do you know? And when we actually sort of get to talking to people and find out what are the things that really motivate them, what are the things that they see to be really important and that they value, then you suddenly find that we've got an awful lot in common and... Uh, you know, the, the so-called golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do to you, which Jesus uh, Jesus taught. But actually, there's some version of that in all the major faith traditions. And, uh, you, you know, when I sit with uh, people on an interfaith forum once a month, which I've done for about five years now, um, what I find is that 
in practice, we are all basically thinking about the same things. We're all mm. hoping for the same things. We're all striving for the same things. And I can only conclude from that that we have the same spiritual in inspiration. But actually, the same is true of people who maybe have no faith at all, you know, yes. people who may were the label atheist or humanist or whatever. And, you know, when we actually interact, as I say, as, as human beings, I find then that we've got such a lot in common. So that, that begins to raise questions about, you know, what, what, what this word God means. At the end of the day, the word God is a word. Um, the word is not what's important. It's what we're trying to point to or indicate or uh, connect with through yeah. that word and beyond the word. I think when you start really concentrating on that other, that reality that is beyond any words that we can come up with, then I, I find that I share a kindred spirit with all kinds of people who, mm. um, when we actually talk about the content of our faith or our not faith, we can have all sorts of interesting discussions and arguments, but really this is all the domain of words. Yes. And, and I think what really matters is whatever it is that's beyond those words. I mean, I was struck by uh, one of your chapters in the new book, Black Sheep and Prodigals, about beliefs themselves. And we, we have a, a listener called Dorothy, and she wrote in a lovely email this week. But, uh, the last episode was on masks. And she says, one of the masks I feel I have to wear in church is belief that I believe the same as everyone else. But I don't believe the same. I don't believe in a literal virgin birth. I don't believe necessarily all the stories that, you know, the a literal ascension and things like that. And you start to deal with that a little bit in the new book. I mean... <laughs> You know, you. I guess you get accused of being a liberal. Uh, I certainly do. What, and it and and it annoys me because it feels so dismissive. It's like, it's people when they say that are often saying you don't believe the Bible anymore, or you don't think about them, or you don't take the Bible as seriously as I do. Is the implication? <laughs> so, so Dave, you know. You, you've 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 really jumped down the rabbit hole in this in this book and you're really seeing how far it goes <laughs> and you talk about the resurrection and you dare to mention that we we could interpret it in non-literal ways and still retain a very wholehearted devotion to christ how do you square that and how do you respond to the the the, the labels of you've gone liberal and you don't take the bible seriously well, uh, actually, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not terribly afraid of the word liberal. It's also not a word I particularly choose to identify with because I think it's it's like a lot of words. It's loaded, um, mm -hmm. you know, and and you have to sort of explain what you mean by it, really. But if if I, I certainly believe that we need in these days a faith which has a generosity about it. Um, which is also critically engaged. I think that this whole approach to truth that sort of says it's it's somehow beyond the realm of, of reason and skeptical questioning mm. um, really worries me a lot. I think it's it's not only deluded, I think it's very dangerous. Um, so I think that the idea that uh, truth and truthfulness can only be contained within and, and communicated through factual events um, is very mistaken, I think. And anybody who enjoys poetry or art or um, novels or whatever knows that 
truth isn't something that is simply reduced to factual events. And uh, so I think that to approach an ancient text like the Bible, um, which was written in an entirely different culture in an entirely different sort of part of the world to most of us, and, and try to read it as if it were you know, a book that was written yesterday is a huge mistake. It's a very um, particular sort of text that, uh, you know, re requires some, well, I suppose some sophistication in interpreting, really. Um, I'm not really explaining that very well. But, no, uh, <laughs> it's fine. I, I love the way you put it in the book, <laughs> the sort of commonality between sort of ardent people who want to take that, you know, every story in the Bible is literal, and they want to argue that it's factual and that's what makes it true. And atheists mm. who want to argue it's it's written factually and that's what makes it untrue because it can't be true. And you're trying to say yeah. oh, there's a truth beyond factuality. And I, I, and, I, and you put that so well in the book. <laughs> so thank you Absolutely. for that. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, the, the example, the example that I often use uh, about that is that, you know, Jesus talked in parables and if you take the so-called parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, well, actually, Jesus never says it's a parable. And Luke, when he writes it, never says Jesus told a parable. Um, it's just an account of Jesus saying, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So the question is, did a man go down from Jerusalem to Jericho? Did this actually happen, or is this just a story? Hmm. And what difference does it make? Um, the power of that story in our lives today and what it teaches us and inspires us to do has nothing to do with whether a man, an actual man, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And I think this is true of lots of stories. And, um, you know, the story of, of the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, for instance, at the end of Luke, um, is told as an event that really happened. But do I have to believe that that really happened, that two men walked down the road nine miles with Jesus without recognising who he was, talking with him, listening to him, uh, and then sitting down in, in a house together um, and not recognising who he was. Do I have to believe that? Or can I say, actually, this story is an incredible story. It's actually one of my favourites in the New Testament. Uh, it's an incredible story that tells me that I'd better have my eyes and ears open because I can find Jesus anywhere and everywhere. I might bump into Jesus on any road. Um, now, that is the truth of the story that really impacts me, not whether or not this is an account of something that, that really happened. That, to me, can't be proven either way, and it's quite irrelevant anyway to, whether the, to the truth that the story is com com communicating. It's wonderful because you're looking beyond uh, the sort of literal interpretation to the meaning of stories and, and on that I, I, I just want to mention gender bias in the bible because it's sort of still a hot but i can't believe in the 21st century we're still really talking about this but you know not so certainly in worthing there are churches that wouldn't have female leaders wouldn't have uh, female elders and uh, and what have you um and because and they, they produce their text their ver their proof texts and verses i mean <laughs> You, you've got a nice chapter in this, so I'm trying to prompt you here in your, in your book. <laughs> but, but how do you respond to the sort of uh, the still gender bias uh, in the church? Well, I think in the in the 
in the cold light of day today, it's hideous, really, isn't it? It's hideous uh, because, you know, we, we now, well, anyone in their right mind recognises that uh, they're just human beings. And uh, sure, we have, you know, there are biological differences between men and women. Um, there are all sorts of other differences between people, uh, the colour of their skin and their sexual orientation, all these things. But underneath all of that, we're, we're just human beings. And the fact of the matter is the Bible was written in an age uh, and within cultures that were patriarchal, where men and women were not on an equal footing. And uh, there are glorious sort of instances, particularly actually in the stories about Jesus in Luke, uh, where he sort of breaks through that um, mm -hmm. and sets it aside. But, but overall, the fact is that these are texts that were formulated uh, within uh, cultures that were biased against women. And I think that the same is true for instance, about slavery, you know, that in the in the Bible, uh, in the in the the culture of of the New Testament, even slavery was an acceptable social uh, institution. Uh, we no longer try to defend slavery in today's world, and uh, I think it's it's equally true of, of men and women. And the, the the just plain reality is, look around us in the world, men and women are doing. Uh, you know, the same things. Uh, they have this sort of equal opportunities and the world hasn't fallen down on our heads. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to finish with a, with a sort of, you know, broad question. This, could, this is an unfair question because I'm going to... It's so open-ended. But I guess a lot of us have gone through the whole, you know, period of our faith. So it's all deconstruction. And, you know, I, I feel like you have to go through a cynical phase. You have to go through that kicking against the, the system and, you know, perceived, I think, as quite negative. But I think there's a whole host of us out there saying we want to reconstruct. We, we do want to. And, and I think that's why I like the new book so much, because although you're saying, look, if you're looking for a systematic theology, forget it. There isn't one. Uh, you put that quite nicely. Mm. But but actually, you're saying, here's some things that I found pretty helpful. And I just wondered if you could finish. Here it comes, Dave. <laughs> if we could finish by just talking about God and the gospel. And, well, let's start with God. How do we reform our images of God compared to perhaps where we were at 50 years ago in the church? The reality is that uh, from any perspective... What we're trying to refer to with the word God is a mystery, uh, something that transcends human comprehension and understanding. Um, and in fact, you know, the, the whole, there's a whole kind of mystical tradition within the church. Um, in, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they talk about apophatic and cataphatic yes, theology, you know, mm -hmm. negative and positive. And, and what this is saying is, that uh, the closer that we move toward God, the less we can speak of God, that we ultimately move into darkness and silence because God is beyond any sort of categories or, or any language that we can dream up. Um, therefore, in order to speak of God, and I suppose really in many ways connect with God, we have to sort of bring God into human categories. So we use metaphors and pictures and uh you know, 
language that that helps us to comprehend something that is ultimately beyond our comprehension. So um, all that we have really are sort of metaphors. And um, you know, one one of the things that I've talked about in in the new book is uh, that, that if we think of of God as being like this great ocean that surrounds us, that's all about us and that we're within, um, rather like a fish swimming in the sea, uh, that a fish cannot really sort of think of anything beyond the ocean. Its whole life is sort of contained within that. And this is what Paul says, in God we live and move and have our being. Mm. So um, I think that, you know, to me, God is like the atmosphere in which we live, without which we couldn't live. Um, but when we when we try to sort of you know do things like pray to God, talk to God, and um, have have a relationship with God, then we can't we can't really sort of do it in that sort of abstract way. We have to sort of bring that into some kind of sure. uh, comprehensible language. Yeah. And so um, we can we can talk about God as a Father. The problem is if all we do is talk about God as a Father, then we fall into the the trap of mistaking God for being like a big human father-like yeah. figure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think all of our God talk has to be constantly uh, deconstructed and, su- yes. and subverted. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that it doesn't serve a purpose or it isn't useful. Yeah. You know, no, and I, I think um, I think in one of the books you encourage someone to think of God as their grandmother. I believe. I, I do. Until, that's you tell right. a great story. Uh, is that in How to <laughs> Be a Bad Christian? I think it's a fantastic story. It's in the Bad yeah. Christians Manifesto. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? And that right. was okay. that's yeah. This is a woman Brenda who who I met who who was really struggling with a notion of God because she she was trying to think of God as a father and her own father was really a a religious bully. Uh, who she was, you know, trying to escape and get away from. So every time she tried to talk to God, she got this image of of her father there, and uh, and I realised that she couldn't make any headway without completely destroying that notion of God in her mind. And she told me stories about her grandmother that that were just like uh, wonderful expressions of unconditional love. And so I said, well, what what if you were to think of God as being like your grandmother? And uh, she kind of looked all puzzled, you know. She said. Well, can I? Can I? Can I really picture my grandmother when I think about God? And I said, Well, why not? You know, if if you're picturing your father, and that's really bad, why not try picturing your grandmother? And that's and that you know, so uh, that's not to say that God is literally like Brenda's grandmother. It's just saying that we don't we don't have any direct access to God in God's godness, as it were, we have to sort of see through pictures and images and metaphors. uh, And some of them are going to serve the purpose and be a lot more constructive and helpful than others are. Mm. So, okay, one last question then. What for you is the gospel? What's the good news now? What does that mean to you? I think that for me, the the good news is that... uh, that there, there is something in the universe beyond me, beyond us. And there is, as I sense it, a presence within the universe, which, which we name God. And my experience, the way I experience that presence, is of unconditional love. 
Uh, and I find that to be an incredibly empowering and uh, energizing thing to, to, to comprehend and connect with. Now, as a Christian, my best knowledge and understanding of that presence is in the person of Jesus. And that's why I am and continue to be a follower of Jesus, because in Jesus I get a better glimpse of, a better look at, a better comprehension of this eternal presence within the universe than I get from anywhere else. Uh, and in fact, in my experience, it's a very liberating thing. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's the heart of the good news that I take out to people, that there there is a God who loves you unconditionally, uh, whose presence in your life can be immensely liberating and healing and comforting. And as I say, the way in which I know that and understand that and familiar with that and the way I point people to it is in and through the person of Jesus. Um, and I feel really passionately about that, you know, yeah. because in practice, most weeks of my life, I am sitting with people who are in the midst of all sorts of dilemmas, who are in the midst of grief or hurt or illness or disappointment, um, and bringing that presence of, you know, unconditional love into their lives, I see to be... Mm you know, hugely liberating thing. Mm. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that's what I'm madly passionate about, really. Well, Dave, thank you, sir. I'm so grateful for you giving your time to be with us on the course to, uh, on the podcast today. Now, of course, people can get your book. I always say from Amazon, but should I be saying from good book retailers everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right, yes. Yeah. It's, quite, it's quite nice when people buy from Amazon because at the moment on Amazon, there's a little orange band that's saying it's a bestseller on amazon which is oh, obviously very good for my ego well that's, that's thanks to everyone down at soul place we all buy we've all got our own copy as we worked we're actually using i don't know if you know this, i think i told you we're, we're working through your book each week now so we started last oh, week pleased. and uh, we will continue for the next 13 yeah. weeks yeah it's the greatest pleasure of my life really you know week by week to get emails and messages facebook messages from people who've yeah. just picked it up in yeah. you know waterstones or found it on yeah. amazon and you know my wife says why do they all want to tell you their life story you know but i get long long messages from people yeah. who want to tell me often really terrible stories of of hurt and abuse in the in religious sort of context um who, who've, you know, well, as, as one woman put it to me, she said, Unt until I read your book, I'd forgotten that actually it's really all about love and kindness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's, a, that's a great thing. You know, I believe in a humane sort yeah. of God, if you like. Yes, you do. Uh, yes. And, and uh, trying to spread a humane message. Well, that seems a wonderful point to leave it. Dave, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much for being in the podcast. And everyone out there, please do go and buy Dave's books because they are wonderful. Well, that was Dave Tomlinson in in um, slightly distorted Skype conversation with Joe. Yes, um, about that. But that's all right, wasn't it? I don't think that was your fault for one. Uh, it might not have been. It could have been that ah. chimpanzee you trained. Yeah, it could be. Um, 
Anyway, uh, what I thought was interesting about that was this, one of the things that interested me, knowing you, was the strength of your response, because you you are a real fanboy, aren't you? I mean, it, you know. I know. I verging on the embarrassing. <laughs> but, you know, you are... <laughs> I'm interested in why these books have touched such a chord yeah, in you. Sure. Yes. What is it about them? Well, um, do you know what? I was, uh, I was thinking about the time that I could trace back my mid-faith crisis. It is back to the late 90s. And I, I was struggling with faith a bit. Uh, and I, I decided to go to one of these conferences. It was like a spirit ablaze, you know, catch the fire, you know, one of these kind of things, pretty Pentecostal conferences. And it was down in Brighton. And I thought, I'll go to this conference and I'll have an open mind because Lord knows if there's some Holy Spirit fire going somewhere, I want in on it. <laughs> uh, you, you get to that stage, don't you? you think, mm. am I missing out because I don't get it anymore? And, you know, perhaps God will zap me or something mm. like that. Mm. And I went to this conference and it was like, you know, the, the perfect looking worship band struck up and everyone was completely you know, orgasmically lost in awe and wonder and praise. And I was just sort of standing there with my hands in my pockets going, oh, blimey, how long have I got to put up with this? And then the speaker came on and, you know, there was all this stuff. And then kind of after the session, everyone poured out because, you know, it was time to get something to eat. And I can just remember, and this is terribly judgmental of me, and I apologise for this, but I just remember uh, there was a Burger King round the corner. I thought, I'll go have Burger King because in those days I liked them. I don't know, but... And uh, we, there was a homeless guy outside the Burger King. And all these hundreds of Christians just poured out of this conference where they'd all been lost in awe and wonder and praise and all the rest of it. And they just stepped over it. I mean, they almost mm. stepped on this homeless, but no eye contact, no anything. And, you know, it was, it just struck me how awful this is. And I thought, if this is what Christianity is, I no longer, and bearing in mind I was a Baptist minister at this point, uh, I don't think I want anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. And I left. I'd paid for this conference and I left after the first session. <laughs> I came home. <laughs> and it was dreadful. <laughs> All right, so that's a long way of answering right. your question. What, so enter the wilderness years. Yes. And finding one or two authors. When I read Dave's book, the How to Be a Bad Christian, and... Uh, the Bad Christians Manifesto. I more than any other author I know at that time, he gave voice. He actually articulated exactly the kind of things, only much better than I could articulate them. Mm. That I felt. So if you wonder about, does a God of Love really send people to hell? If mm. you wonder about. What about this? Can it really be that only a, a narrow group of people really have the monopoly on the truth of God and everyone else in the world who's trying to follow God, you know, really, really don't have anything to say about God because we're the only ones with the truth. If you wonder about these things and you think about them, they bother you. David, Dave just put it right out there. Hmm. And he wrote in such a lovely way and he used real stories and he started to articulate and speak of a different way of conceiving the Christian faith mm. for me that's mm. what he did mm. and it was wonderful and it's a sort of it was a sort of faith you'd want to tell everyone who isn't a Christian about and you'd want to share and you would talk about naturally because it wasn't about being all religious and it wasn't all about 
you know, it was just something so uh, expand. It's such a bigger, expansive, more loving, more wonderful view of God. And I had had a hunch. And by this stage of my own journey, I'd already been encountering a God who who was so much more loving through a variety of mystical experiences that I'm not prepared yet to share <laughs> in the podcast. But we probably should one of these days. They were just genuine experiences, but I was afraid to share them in certain groups because I know they'd be decried or poo-pooed or, you know, they weren't biblical enough or whatever. But I had this hunch God was better than I'd ever dared dream. And then suddenly here's this, this guy writing about it. So, yeah, I, I love the I think it sort of ties in with what we were uh, talking about at the beginning in the feedback, you know. the yeah. a good, And this is why you, you described him as a friend, even before mm. you'd met him or talked to him yeah, because I'm sorry think, that came off as a bit like sucking up to the speaker but uh, it was uh, you know it made know. my flesh it creep in, but I dealt it with embarrassing. it um it, no I think I think the thing is a, a and it, I, I do find this genuinely as an author that when you articulate what people are thinking but haven't dared say yeah it 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 is like you discover a friend you yeah. can do a book can be a friend in that sense it, yeah. it's like somebody else thinks like that you know, and and so people, you know, I, I get a lot of contact with people who. Okay, so that's I, there was. I think there was a lot of interesting stuff in in uh, that interview. You know, some stuff that I, I, I want to kind of think about myself. Really, I think. Um, yeah, and I loved that. It's interesting because I I listened to the interview a couple of times, and when I asked him the question at the end, and bearing in mind, as I said, this was on a Sunday afternoon, the end of the day, and I think afterwards he said to me, "Oh, I didn't answer those questions very well." I said, "No, you did." But I think when he answered the question, the last one about the gospel, I thought, yeah. well, "Did he answer that very well?" Mm. But having listened, to, re-listened to it again, I thought it's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Actually, the why, why he's why is really, a Christian really yeah. good? Yeah. yeah, and why he's passionate about it. And I think I think you kind of need that because otherwise. It can feel like the whole thing is being just dismantled with nothing yeah. there in its place, as it were, you know. Yeah. And uh, but actually, the passion is still there because of that. What I liked, I I loved that bit at the beginning where he talked about um, taking taking religion out of the hands of the experts. Yeah, and, that was very good. Yes, I mean, I you know, I I I would be bound to love that because I've 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 always. Um, I'm all, I've always been an amateur in terms of what when I'm writing about the Bible and that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, um, I'm not a, the, the the church in the UK. Thankfully, is not in such a bad state that it's ever needed me to be in any sense of leadership. You know, and, um, <laughs> and, and so I'm not, I'm not a church leader, and I'm not a theologian in that sense, and no trained and not. Yeah. So I, You're I not love trained, that. But you I, know well, you know, everybody's the a theologian. Just about anyone. No, but know. everybody's a theologian, aren't they? If you mean you talk about yeah. God, that's that's what it is. Um, but I think uh, I, 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 I like I like that idea, and I and I think that gives a validity to people's own questioning and their yeah. own ability to 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 engage with scripture, engage with um, doctrine, because. Yeah. Why leave it to the experts? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be left to the experts. But the thing is, I I guess we a lot of us have been brought up in a culture of well, this has to be run past the leadership. Only the yeah. leadership, only the ordained leader is the one wise enough and godly enough to to tell you whether the experience you've just had is valid. Yes, or it's not. orthodox. Yes, exactly. 
And, and, and the funny thing what... about that is they've all got a different idea of what's orthodox. Exactly. <laughs> and they can't agree amongst themselves. But you don't know that at the time, and so you sort of tr- blindly trust the so-called yes. leaders. Well, and you have to, to a certain extent. When you're you know, building your faith and when you're exactly. joining it, you, of course you... you, you, you and, and leadership is really, really important in that sense. Yeah. And for, for the leaders who listen to this podcast, firstly, what, what on earth are you doing? Get a life. But <laughs> t- secondly, you know... Uh, it's it's all about knowing when to yeah. when to lead and to you know to help people in that way and when to let them find their own way and to encourage that path as well. I yes, think that's exactly. a really, it's a very difficult thing for leaders to get. And thirdly, uh, if right. you're a leader, thank you because it's yes. a, it's a yeah, it's indeed. tough. It's a pretty thank- <laughs> it is a thankless task. It, it is a thankless task. So God um, bless you. So look, we would really like to if you if you haven't been too put off by uh, um skype's um audio we'd really like to pick up on the pod on uh, the interview uh, through feedback anything you want to talk about yes please send what in you want your to emails do. also there's every possibility that i might be able to blag a couple of copies of uh, dave's book from my publisher as we share a publisher and we'll see whether do, yes we'll do. see whether we can get some giveaways we might even hold our first competition joe oh, oh. do you know what that would be great. I'm thinking uh, premium rate phone line. Yes, exactly. Or, you know, texture yeah. answer. <laughs> texture answer. <laughs> is, is, is grass A, green, or B, blue? Texture answer to, and then yeah. all text charged at £25. I think that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. And support the ministry. I knew there would be a way of making money from this that podcast, and you great. have just brilliantly stumbled upon that it. It's a, it's... <laughs> <laughs> we will support our ministry in all its richness. So listen. That's uh, excellent. So listen, can I encourage the good listeners, dear listeners, please do write in if that has provoked you or encouraged you mm. or disturbed you, as I suspect mm. it will, many of you, mm. then please write in. Let us know. Uh, joe mm. at midfaithcrisis.org will be a good email address uh, to send your comments and questions to. Yes, and, uh, because we'll he's a... someone who replies to emails. Yes, indeed. Unlike Mr. Nick Page. But that's because he's a brilliant author writing books. Stop it. Stop crawling up to authors. You're getting embarrassed now. I am embarrassed. Because I'm being nice and you can't handle it. We've had this discussion before. don't because I'm too happy and I'll start trying again if you'd be nice to me. (laughs) Okay, right. Forget it. (laughs) Can I also say to anyone who has joined us since the article came out and has listened to only the last two, there are episodes of this podcast where the audio is fine. You know, know, not many, not many, and even when it is fine, obviously you've still got to listen to us, which is a bit of a downside. Um, But you know, uh, just hang on in there. One day, generally, the quality will get better all round. I'm sure. Yes. Um, So uh, good uh, time to say goodbye. I think. Yes, Uh, I think so. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast on. And uh, thanks for thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And if you're in a mid-faith crisis, you could do a lot worse than buying uh, a copy of Dave's new book, Black Sheep Chronicles. Yeah.